Thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. He is good. You could be seated. Father, to worship you, we live. To worship you, we live. We live to worship you. Father, what a privilege it is to come together in the house of the Lord to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for all of the privileges of being in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God. I pray that during these moments that you'll let the uh, words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I thank you today, Father, for all that you're going to do in this church tonight. Father, think through my mind, speak through my lips, and minister through this vessel of clay to your people. At the end of the day, Father, you be glorified in everything we set our hand to do. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. For those joining us virtually, welcome. For those that have come in person, welcome again. A lot of uh, congregations don't have uh, evening services except for on special occasions like this. So it's just good to see you in the house of the Lord. And those who could not make it back uh, physically, it's good to be here. John chapter 7 verse 38 is where I'd like to focus our attention This morning, we begin a journey called Let the River Flow. And uh, at the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus goes up to that feast. And when he is there on the last great day of the feast in John chapter 7 and 38, he says on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38. And he that believes as a As the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. That's new King James. King James says out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then the parenthetical statement says in verse 39, and this he spake of the spirit uh, 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 that, that those believing on him should receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. If you got notes this morning, We're down to point number three in those notes if you are tracking uh, with us today. During the Feast of Tabernacles, it's a very demonstrative feast that we uh, talked about. And the Feast of Tabernacles uh, in the natural begins sundown tonight. Most of you came out tonight, you saw that big full moon. And this, what you look for is that full moon in the fall, Feast of Tabernacles began. It's a trilogy of feasts. There's been the sounding of the trumpet two weeks ago, the Feast of Yom Kippur last uh, week, you know, and that's a day of atonement. And then tonight begins the Feast of Booth, called the Feast of Tabernacles. We're in Jewish communities. You will find people building a structure outside of their home. And for seven days, they will spend some time in those structures, remembering that God's presence, his power, and his provision is not only in the temple, but it's also at your house. I think it's important for us to recognize in the 21st century that sanctuary space is a place where the presence of God is. Church buildings represent the presence of God in a community. But God just does not dwell in buildings made with stones and made with hands. God knows that he wants that presence of the Holy Spirit that's in sanctuary space to move to domestic space. Move to domestic space and to be there with us as we make our journey. Now, after a while, he's going to later on tell you that your body 
is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What know you not that your body, and that's individual, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are growing up into a holy naos, a holy temple of God. So we corporately are the temple of God. So the word temple has a lot of different means in the day of David, he wanted to build a temple. Solomon builds a structure. That structure is destroyed by the Babylons. It is rebuilt under Hezekiah, Zerubbabel, and Zechariah during the time of restoration after Persian release from captivity of 70 years. That temple then stands uh, during the time of, of Jesus. Herod has now expanded or permitted the expansion of the temple. And then Jesus is now announcing you're going to be the temple of God and out of you shall flow the spirit and these water terms are given. It's interesting that I want to look at this picture of Ezekiel uh, talking about the temple of God and water flowing out of it tonight. And, and you need to understand that Ezekiel was a priest and the priests were designed to pass on the standards of God to the entire community. That's what the priests were. When I see the word priest in the Hebrew scriptures, I think of the word that these were the worship leaders and worship leaders were not just those that sang songs and led songs, but worship leaders were actually those that modeled what it was to live for God. And so the priests were to pass on the worship of God to the general community. And then the community was to respond by living for God. They go into Babylonian captivity and this will be diagnostic initially because they did not follow the Lord in all of his ways. When Ezekiel starts prophesying, uh, he starts off in first in Ezekiel chapter one and verse number 10. And he shows a wonderful picture of the assessment of Israel and of Judea and of Judah as well as Jerusalem. But he starts off with a picture of God and Ezekiel 110, Ezekiel 110 point number three, it says, and as of the likeness of the faces of them, the four faces, the face was the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side. And the four had a face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle, uh, the face of an eagle. And thus they were, their faces, uh, their wings were stretched toward, uh, forward. And their wings of every one of them were joined together and they covered their bodies. And listen to this. And they went every way straight forward. And wherever the spirit was to go, they went. Wherever the spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not where they went. Wherever the spirit of God goes, all that God is goes with him. I want you to know that where the spirit goes, the face of the man is there. God is concerned about humanity. And the face of the man is the face of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of man. He is the last Adam. He is the one that shows us what humanity should look like. He is the face of the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the conquering king. And his face goes there. So if you need something conquered in your life, his face is there. And he's looking towards that event, condition, and situation to conquer. He he is the face of the ox. Jesus is also called the servant of God. And he is the one that comes to only do what he sees his father do. Only hear what he sees the father hear. He is the face of the ox and he wants to serve you by coming in and ministering to your need. He is the face of the eagle. He is far distant seen. He is the face of the visionary there. And, we're, and some of us have lacked vision. We have lost vision. Understand the amount of people that God healed in the old... In 
in the, in, in the Christian scriptures that were blind. People just lost vision. And Jesus came in and restored vision to them. And it's one thing to be blind. It's another thing to have no vision. And many of us need vision restored. Because some people lose, uh, live a long time, but they lose their vision when they're young. They lose their vision because God showed them something that they could do and that they should be. And humanity has talked them out of it. And he is the face of the eagle to restore your long distance view of what life should be. And I know that God is restoration. These four faces of this living creature is also seen the same in the book of the Revelation. Instead of the face of an ox, though, it's called the face of a calf. But it's the same one, the face of a man, the face of the lion, the face of the ox and the face of the eagles. These faces also correspond to the gospel writings that we have for Jesus in Matthew is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus in the book of Mark is the servant of God. Jesus in the book of Luke is the son of man and Jesus in the book of John is the face of the eagle. So you can do those parallels in your individual studies right there and wherever the spirit goes, God shows up and whatever is needed that's who he becomes in that situation. Wherever the spirit goes, God shows up and he said, what do you need? Sometimes you just need the humanity of God just to embrace you and tell you, I understand. You're not alone. You don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Israel had God in all of his dimension, but then they begin to go astray. And Ezekiel chapter 16 diagnostically tells us what happened to Israel. Why did they fall? They had the priesthood. They had God. They had the face of the man, the face of the lion, the face of the ox, and the face of the eagle. They, wherever the spirit of God went, they went. What happened? Well, Israel began to fail, and they failed because they began to compare themselves with other nations. Taught the men yesterday the dangers of comparison. And when you and I begin to compare ourselves to other people, we're going to be a bad copy of somebody else. God chose Israel to be a unique people. Peter puts it like this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're called to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You and I are unique and we are supposed to be a peculiar people. Not strange, but peculiar. And peculiar means that we're unique in our own way. We just don't live like everybody else. When people try to pigeonhole us, many times I tell people, I said, listen, the kingdom that I'm a part of is not of this world. And Jesus said, the kingdom that I am bringing to you is not of this world. What happened to Israel? Seven sins brought Israel down. And he told them, you did the same thing Sodom did. He said, and these were the sins of Sodom in Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Seven things brought down Sodom. These seven sins were in Israel. And listen, these seven sins are in America. He said, first of all, you were proud. And proud causes us to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Do you know we're the only nation in the world that plays sports with ourselves and then crown ourselves world champions? And we haven't played anybody outside the country. Pride. Pride. He said there was fullness of bread. Fullness of bread just simply means that they had such an abundance but didn't think about sharing it with anybody. What do you do with your surplus? Do you let it rot and throw it away? Or do you think about giving it to someone else? They had idleness of time, abundance of idleness, setting on the dock of the bay. 
watching the tide roll away, sitting on the dock of the bay, just wasting time. Okay, some of y'all lived in that area. Some of y'all that are younger just missed all of that. You can ask your parents about it later. Time is a commodity that we need to steward, not waste. And they had an abundance of idleness. They were not productive when they were, were not there. And he said that was in you, uh, in her, and it was in her daughter, Sodom and Gomorrah. It was in Israel and in Judah. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and the needy. Israel got to a place where God had, if you will, he had set in place rules and regulations for them to meet the needs of that. God is a God that believes in debt forgiveness. And uh, the old uh, translations of even the Lord's Prayer, the word is actually forgive us our debt as we forgive those who are indebted to us. That means that every seven years in the book of Deuteronomy, every slave was to be released every seven years. And then every 50 years, there was to be a total reset. There was no work. There was no planning. You were to live on the abundance of God. And then the next year, you were to plant. And so you had to believe God for about uh, 36 months. First to store up and then to live uh, free and then to restore lands and then to plant and to believe God that next year that you'll eat off of that which the Lord has provided. He believed in that forgiveness. Israel went into captivity. One of the rabbis, when I asked him in our city, one of the conservative rabbis, why 70 years? He said, because Israel was supposed to release slaves every seven years. They only did it twice. And every time they didn't do it up to the time of captivity, God made them stay a year in captivity. He said they went to a 50-year cycle. No, he said we went to a 50-year cycle and only released people's stuff every 50 years rather than every seven years. Debt forgiveness, forgive us our debts. You say, well, Lafayette, is that true? Because I was taught, forgive us our trespasses. Well, when Jesus speaks of one of the clauses in that, he tells a story of debt forgiveness. He said one guy, he said one day was a big corporate banker and he owed a whole lot of money to the Federal Reserve System. And he went and he pleaded for forgiveness and they forgave him his debt and his bank remained solvent during a time of economic crisis. Then that guy went out and he found somebody that had a student loan. <laughs> and they begged for forgiveness. And he said, throw them in jail, make them pay it. And when the guy found the banker who had all of this debt, I'm taking some liberty with the text, but I want you to understand. He said, I'm throwing you in jail and turning you over to the tormentors because you had much debt and I forgave yours. And then you found somebody that had a few hundred thousand dollars in debt and I forgave millions for you and I'm throwing you in jail. God wants us to remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And they didn't look after the poor or the needy. They were haughty. Pride causes us to look up at ourselves. Haughtiness causes us to look down on people. And friends, you and I should remember not to look down on people because all of us were sinners saved by grace. And then they had committed abominations. There was sin in the Sodom. Now, in the Western world, all we do is feature the last one. Say, God destroyed Sodom because of abomination. But that's not the way God assesses their fall. He said, these were in Sodom, these seven sins. These I have seen in, in, in America. And these were also in Israel. And God says, he said, so therefore, I took them away 
as I saw good. And Israel went into seven-year captivity. In Ezekiel 22, again, assessment. Why do we need to have water running in our land? Because in Ezekiel 22, verse 24, it says there, Thou art a land not cleansed and not rained upon. If there is no rain, there can be no river. And then he does an assessment in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 22 through 30. And he assesses the systems that he tells them to set up in the book of Deuteronomy. First of all, he says, you're princes. And that was the economic system. He said, they become like roaring lions. And roaring lions, they, they prey upon that which is weak and that which is most vulnerable. He said, that's the way your economic system is in Israel. You're like roaring lions. He then says, your priests are now exercising control and deceiving people. And the priests, instead of giving people wisdom and setting them free, were controlling people. He says, your officials, he said, are like wolves. And wolves uh, 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 hunts in packs. And wolves Wolves would prey on the young and on the elderly and on the sick. And he said, that's the way your public officials have become praying on the elderly, praying on the sick, praying on the young that were weak. He says there that your prophets are now making up stuff. He's saying they're saying, thus saith the Lord when, when the Lord has not spoken. They were using seduction and, and seducing people to believe what they said. Then he said, and the people are exploiting each other. And God sets up these systems for a new kingdom in Deuteronomy. And in Ezekiel 22, verse 22 through 30, he says, and you guys have all failed. There was total systems failure. That's called systemic failure. And you know what God does? He said, but I'm not hopeless. He said, and I look for someone to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. I want to ask Faith Christian Center, will you stand in a day of adversity? Will you stand where systems are corrupt and falling apart? And will you stand for what God has said? Will you stand because God is looking for someone to stand in these days? Standing is not always easy. Stephen stood and got stoned and got killed. Standing is not always easy. Jesus stood and got arrested, scourged, and went to a cross. Paul stood and he got arrested, shipwrecked, beaten, scourged. I want you to know standing is not easy, but God is still looking for someone to stand for his standard in the hedge and to make up the gap. Ezekiel 37, my last diagnostic scripture, 11. When he sees a valley of dry bones, and that's the way sometimes the church can be, and I see the America can be, and this is the way he described Israel. He said, you're very dry. You're very scattered. He said, there is no life in you. And then those bones are saying, and we're without hope. Church, what will we do without hope? If you don't have an expectation that things can get better, what can we do without hope? When Ezekiel asked, Lord, what is this? In Ezekiel 37, 11, he says, these bones are the whole nation of Israel. And I can say it's the whole nation of America. We're very dry. The moisture in the river has now come out of us. We're very scattered. We're not together as one nation under God. He said, and we're without hope. There are some people that are hopeful and there are some people that are hopeless. And I believe that the church, this is the greatest opportunity for us because we walk by faith, not by sight. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
We are the ones that provide hope to people that have no hope. We are the ones that tell people things are going to get better. We are the ones that tell people trouble don't last always. We are the ones that tell people, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right ultimately. We are the ones that tell people we have a journey that will help you to get to the place where things can get better. We are the voice of hope. If I left you with a diagnosis that they said we are dry, we are scattered, we're without life, and we are without hope, that would be a tragedy. But Ezekiel 47 comes in, and after all of this diagnosis, God then brings Ezekiel back to the temple, the place where the people worship. Hear me well, God never leaves the people who have strayed without a prophetic word of hope. He never leaves us without a prophetic word of hope. And this is a prophetic word to Faith Christian Center and to the church in this region and to the church in this nation and the church globally. Some of the man, verse 47, chapter 47, verse 1, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards eastward. For the temple faced eastward eastward. Now listen, the water out of your belly shall flow. Rivers of living water was coming down and from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And he then brought me uh, out through the north gate and led me around the outside and the outer gate facing the east. And the water was trickling from the south side. And he says, and the man went eastward. And began to measure. And with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through the waters that were ankle deep. And he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the waters that were knee deep. And he measured another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was up to my waist and led me and measured off another thousand cubits. And he brought me to a river that I could not cross over because the water had risen and was deep and, and, and enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? God is constantly asking Ezekiel questions. And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Praise God. Verse 7. Verse 8. And he said to me, this water, this water, this water flows towards the eastward region and goes down to uh, Abara. Uh, And he says, and it goes down. uh, uh, He says it enters into the Dead Sea. He said, when it comes, when it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And there will be a large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, let's jump in the river. Everything will live the fishermen will stand along the shore of Engedi and Egilam. And it says, and there will be places of the spreading of nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like fish of the Mediterranean. Verse 11 is a warning, but the swamps 
and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. However, fruit trees of all kinds grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither. That's Psalm number one. Nor their fruit fail. Every month will be, will bear fruit because the waters from the sanctuary flow to them and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing the word of the Lord. I have some notes below this text that I would like us to focus on about let the river flow. The river is typology of the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Holy Spirit flows out of the temple, it always is water that flows out of you to meet the needs of someone else, out of us to meet the, some, meet the needs of someone else. I remember when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit and I was coming through a time where I had been called to preach and I was going to an evangelical teaching training association, Fundamentalist Bible Institute. They were cessationists. They believed that prophecy had passed away and tongues had ceased. When I got to the class on the Holy Spirit, I was so excited because in the Baptist church I was part of, we talked about the Holy Spirit, we talked about the Trinity, but did not learn a lot about it. They taught me all about the Holy Spirit. But when it came to the gifts of the Spirit, they said prophecy has passed away. Tongues have ceased. When the Bible was canonized, all these things were done away with. They were called successionists. I was then in a place in ministry where I was really seeking God and wanting more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I was introduced to the charismatic movement that was going on. Tough to tell when it started, like with Azusa, you know, around 1900, 1901, Azusa Street hit. But the charismatic movement was different because the Spirit of God began to be poured out on, on priests that were Catholic, that, that on Anglicans, on Lutherans, on Methodists, what we call the liturgical church. And people were just sovereignly filled with the Holy Ghost. Some people that were evangelical didn't even believe these folks were saved. God didn't know that. He just poured out his spirit upon all flesh anyhow. And there's a whole lot of folks that are going to surprise you they made it to heaven. They received the Holy Ghost and I got caught up in that move. I went to Pittsburgh and on the East Coast, it was at Duquesne University that was the hub. Franciscan priests were filled with the Holy Ghost, dancing in the Holy Ghost, laying hands on people. People were getting healed and, and from the sick. And I was seeking God. And I was in the church of God in Christ one night, one morning, Sunday morning, worshiping, lifted up my hands and said, God, I want everything that you ask for me. I had a season of what I call quiet desperation. I just said, God, I'm hungry and thirsting for righteousness sake. And your word says, if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I shall be filled. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost in that worship experience. I began to speak in tongues. And then when I laid hands and prayed for folks for years, but now stuff started happening. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I came back to that fundamentalist Bible Institute and kept learning it. It's getting A's on all my paper. When they gave me my final exam, they had a question on there. When did prophecy pass away and tongues to cease? I wanted them to know that I read their material. I answered the question just the way their material told me. And at the end of my test, after I answered everything, I got a hundred on that test. And, and I said, I put a note on the bottom though. I don't believe a word of this. When I got my test back and the grade was always on the last page, he said, A minus, see me after class. <laughs> and I told him my experience. I said, tongues have not passed away. Prophecy has not ceased. 
And Joel said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy once you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I'm still believing that there's a generation in the earth that has not yet found their prophetic flow. And God says, our sons and daughters shall prophesy. And if you have a child in here sitting next to you, just lay your hands on them and impart that to them right now because your sons and daughters shall prophesy. They shall hear the word of the Lord and speak forth the word of the Lord in this generation. And that flows out of the temple. I found out very early after receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit wasn't just for me and my personal prayer life because evangelical theology is fourfold. It believes in the authority of the word of God. It believes in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It believes in sharing our faith and it believes in the exclusivity of Jesus Christ for salvation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. But in the Western world, a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has made us personalize our faith to some. And we don't even share our faith. But when the river starts stirring, there's something inside of you that becomes the solution. And I believe in this day, the world is asking, can the church be the solution for my dilemma right there? It needs to flow out of the temple, the corporate temple called the church, but it needs to flow out of your temple, the Holy Spirit, to be the solution for people's problems. And so the water flows out of the temple, number one. Uh, secondly, I want you to observe that the, that, 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 that the water, when it first slows, starts flowing, might start off as a little trickle, trickle, trickle. That should be the word there, a little trickle. It may start off as maybe a little stream. And there's a place in the psalmist says, there is a, there is a river, the streams make glass the city of our God. And listen to me, it may start off as a little stream, but as you begin to flow, it begins to come more and more and more. I have a man in our church, he's a builder, and he built several buildings on Oral Roberts University campus. And he said uh, his company did, Smoot Construction. It's a minority company that has done buildings all over the country. And he said one time we had a chance to meet Oral Roberts, he said, before he died. And he said, and when he met, Oral Roberts came and said, I want to thank you all for being here and making our building. And he said, I lay hands on builders before they build on our campus. And he said, he just lifted up his arm just high. And he said, everyone just come. And he said he was seated. We just came and built, and he just lifted up his arm so high. And he said he laid hands on so many people that the rotator cups in his shoulders were now just worn out. Started off as a trickle. But then the more he did it, the more there begin to be manifestations and signs and wonders. And friends, I'm telling you, take a risk and sometimes say, may I pray for you. We have 350 Somali families that live next door to us. They're Muslim. And we were praying and asking, Lord, how do we reach them? When they first came, they didn't speak English. So at our church, we taught English as second language classes. English as second language. We partnered together with the Ohio State University. They brought the classes to our church. These Muslim men and women began to come into our church. Muslim men in one class, Muslim women in another. And they began to learn English. And after we began to see that many of them were speaking English more, we went over and we said, let's do an invasion in the, uh, in the housing community next door where they live. And, and so the Lord said, just go and knock on the door and ask, does anybody need prayer? We went and knocked on the door and said, does anybody need prayer? And they said, who are you? We said, we're from the Rama church next door. They said, well, we're Muslim. And we said, Muslims don't pray? And they said, yeah, we pray. I said, does anybody need prayer? And we prayed with folks. And it was amazing to see tears come down their eyes. 
It was amazing to see the spirit of God happen. For me, prophecy many times comes out of my praying for people. Because when I begin to pray for folks, it kind of opens them up and opens me up. And sometimes God will let me sense something. Hear me. He will let me hear something or he will let me see something. He'll let me sense something. He'll let me hear something or he'll let me see something. I'm going to say it a third time. He'll let me sense something. He'll let me hear something or he'll let me see something. And when I'm praying for people, sometimes when I finish, I say, I just sense or I hear. And sometimes I'll say, or I see this happening in your life. And you know what? They started thinking that some of our people were witches because in their culture in Somali, the only people that can really tell what's going on inside of you are witches. We said, no, we're not witches. We are followers of Isa. Isa is Jesus's name in the Quran. We said, we're followers of Jesus Christ. And with some fascination, now their high school students have come in. There's, they have been here for decades now. And their young people are becoming Americanized. Now, that's good and that's bad. Because they've taken on some of our habits. But they're more open to talking about their faith and their religion. And they're not as conservative and as strict. And we baptize now a few of our first people from that community and are who have received Christ. They go back to the community. So they kind of live in the community as undercover followers of Jesus Christ. You say, well, is that true? Shouldn't they just stand up and announce it? No. Do y'all remember when Naaman the prophet was, uh, was healed and he said, and he goes back to the prophet, he said, I've been healed and I've recognized that there's only one God and that's the God of Israel. And he said, but when I go back to serve my king, he goes into the temple of Roman and he said and this other and this other God and he said and what shall I do and the prophet just tells him go in peace in other words the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do when you meet people even of different faiths he'll tell you just go in peace and so I'm never anxious when I interact with people of different religions and different cultures because I know there's a river inside of me and the river will flow so the river might start off as just a little trickle But then it begins to grow. It flows and it goes deeper every place that it goes. I'm telling you that if you will explore the river that's flowing out of you, every place that the river flows, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. When I was going to uh, Africa for the first time, Zimbabwe and then South Africa, Zimbabwe had just come through their war of independence. So the country was in quite a bit of turmoil in 1988. South Africa still had apartheid in. And I went there with Dr. Edwin Cole to do men's ministry. Went in Bulawayo, uh, Zimbabwe. I went to a church with my friend, Ken Haskins. I met him over the internet. Uh, I'm sorry, I met him by way of email. But he didn't know what I looked like. They gave him no picture of me. When I went to his church, here's a white missionary who started a church. All of the people in his church, some 500 people, were all black Zimbabweans. He and his wife and his family were the only white people there. When I got there and he finally put a face with the email, he said, they didn't tell me you were black. And I said, well, does that make a difference? He said, I wish they would have told me that you were black. And I said, is there going to be a problem? He said, you'll see when we walk into the sanctuary. We walked in the sanctuary. Ken uh, said, follow me. And I follow him. I'll follow him in. And we were in worship like we had today. And when I began to walk from the back to the front, everybody in the back stopped singing. 
And by the time we walked up on the platform, they have a center chair where the preacher sits. And he pointed me to the center chair and he said, sit right here. And when I stood there, everything got silent. And then somebody went and started shouting. And then they start singing again. And I said, what in the world's going on? And he said, I'll tell you afterwards. I preached and we jumped into the river. They gave this victory cry. And we started worshiping God and I started prophesying over leaders. And then he said, you prophesied some of the men I'm considering to be elders in this church. He said, I know I'm a missionary. I'm going to have to turn this over to these indigenous people that I've now discipled. And he said, and I'm going to be transitioning now. And he said, the very people that the Lord called you to to minister to are the very leaders. He said to the person, he said, that I'm going to appoint to be over this church. Let the river flow. I didn't know any of these folks. And he told me, he said, listen, you are the first black American that this church has ever had preach inside of it. He said, every missionary has been a Eurocentric or an Anglo American that has come to this place. He said, that's why it got quiet. And then he told me this. He said, we consider you black Americans are Joseph's. I said, what does that mean? He said, these Zimbabweans said, you guys were the ones that were sold in the, in the slavery and sent over to Egypt. And you were sent over to the place that you could be a refuge so that in our time of need, you could give us resource. And he said, but y'all have gotten over in America, gotten comfortable and forget that Joseph has brothers. He said, tell that the black Americans and tell them to come. And every place I went on the African continent, they were saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Let the river flow. When I was in South Africa, I stood outside of a hotel and a man came up and started talking to me in a certain language. I didn't know what he was saying. I said, I don't understand you. He said, you Zulu, aren't you? I said, no, I'm an American. He said, you Zulu. I said, you know, Africans really don't tell you anything. Okay. They just command and demand and they're very pointed in what they say. And so I said, okay, okay, I'm Zulu today. Okay. I'm going to argue with the man. And so we had a great conversation about what I was doing there. And I told him I was there to minister to the men of that nation. Every place you see that the river goes, it gets deeper. When we read the text, it said it first comes up to our ankle. And there, you know, that's, 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 that's your walk. And I believe that where the river flows, it ought to affect the way that you walk. It comes up to your knees. It ought to affect the way that you pray. Because there's a point in time in our prayer life, I just stop praying for myself. And I start praying for others. Other families, others in the community. When the river is flowing, it can flow out of my prayer life. And it comes up to my knee. It comes up to my waist. And when it comes up to my waist, that's where my reproduction is. And everything that I want to reproduce, I want to reproduce in the Holy Spirit. I want to have it, have it let it have sustainability and staying power wherever the river flows. But then it gets to the place where with the with the feet and with the knees and with the waist i'm still kind of in control when i'm in the water but when it gets so deep that i can't touch bottom anymore that's where you're out there and you're being controlled and you're being moved by the river and friends many of us will let it come up to our feet we'll let it come up to our knees we even let it come up to our waist but when he says i got it you just follow me That's the dangerous space because you don't know what's going to happen in that space. 
I'm not talking about weird stuff, but it's godly divine stuff begins to happen. And when you and I begin to move in those dimensions, God begins to do some other things. Every place that the river flows, the river comes out of the temple. Every place that the waters flow, they start as a trickle and then they get deeper and they get larger. But in the middle of that uh, page right there, the river brings life, the salty places and dead places and where the river flows because it brings life. It flows and there's a great amount of fish. You see, some people through COVID over the last 24 months have had a pretty salty experience. A lot of tears have been shed during COVID. People had death but had no closure. People had death and didn't have a memorial service. Or if you went to a funeral director, maybe it was limited because of social distancing. During this time, people had adjustments that happened. All of a sudden, people that used to go to work eight hours and then come back home and had a happy marriage. Now, the wife was at home working at the kitchen table. The husband was at home working in the study. The kids were in the living room working on their iPads and on their computers. And now we're together in the house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I found out in our marriage ministry, fun folks found out when they were together that amount of time, every day, day in, day out, they really didn't like each other. I said, well, how have you stayed together for 20 years? Because I got a break every day. So we had to also have some salty, tear-ridden, uh, uh, personal counseling with married couples and had to re, in the midst of COVID had to revitalize our marriage ministry. We started doing date night on Zoom once every third Friday. We said we have date night on Zoom every third Friday for an hour and a half. And we started people gather together as couples on Zoom. We'd have icebreakers, play games, listen to music, have a short conversation or uh, teaching and then discussion on that just to make sure that marriages stay alive. But that's just marriage. Some kids lost track of uh, academic achievement because they did not have the discipline to stay focused on a computer. They needed to be in person. And you know what? Where the rivers flow, that's where salty waters can become sweet because some of us have had a salty experience and some people already have wounds and now there's been salt put in those wounds and when the river flows it brings life to salty places you see the text says in verse number 9b that wherever the river flows fish come up and jesus said follow me and i'll make you fishers of men the thing that's been amazing during me over the last 24 months when COVID hit and now that's happening now is that people now are tuning into the church because now many churches are virtual and people are now starting to explore us in the comfort of their own home and then as we come back to in-person service some are starting to reconnect People say, we're supposed to be going out and bringing people in. People are connecting with us in different kind of ways. I've had people connect to our church on, on, on our virtual church that have never been inside of our phys physical building. They've come to newcomers class. They've gotten committed. And then I said, now, whenever any of you come to a physical service, come up and let it be known. I do just what Pastor John said. When you're there virtual, you receive Christ. When you come in person, let me meet you. 
and I'm meeting people that I would have never had a chance to touch. But that's not all. Here's where the river's flowing. Now people globally are listening and receiving the word of God. So when you're worshiping here at Faith Christian Center, you have people in India that are listening to you. You have people in Central America and South America that are listening to you. You have people on the East Coast and on Southern United States in the Bible Belt that are listening to you. The river has now flowed and the internet can be a curse or it can be a blessing or it can be a tool that calls this water to begin to flow out. The waters are flowing and harvest is coming in. But friends, I still believe that where the rivers flow, fish will come in and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I remember when the first time I went to Latvia and Estonia when the communists still had it. It was under communist rule. Dr. Cole, after the communists broke out, we went there to take Bibles there. But when the communists kind of uh, dissolved uh, in uh, Latvia and Estonia and in, Ke- and in the Ukraine, Dr. Cole took men's events into that area. And I went back to Estonia. And when we went back, men were in desperate shape because under communism, men worked from sunup till sundown. And then no matter what time it was, at a certain time, you turned off your tractor, even if you had crops in your field. You just turned it off because you weren't going to make any more money working one minute more than you could. It stole productivity and industry from men. Men, because they are created to be creative and industrious and productive, they begin to get depressed. And out of the depression, they begin to want to numb the depression. And their numbing agent was called vodka. Well, some men go to sleep when they drink alcohol. Others get violent. And they begin to become a lot of domestic violence in homes. And we were called there to minister to men. And many came in and we began to minister. And the Lord gave me a text that said, don't be drunk with wine. Where is in excess, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we started, I don't know why the Lord led me this way, ministering on drunkenness and, the, and, and that. And one place in Proverbs, it says, give drink to those that are dying. And, he's, and I really believe you ought to live before you embalm yourself, okay? <laughs> I, I really believe that. And, and so we started lift, looking at the, 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 uh, the, the negative effects of drunkenness. And then the negative effects that it has in the home, drunkenness, drunkenness, being under the influence of alcohol. When I got finished, I said, if somebody has a problem with this particular bondage, come up here. And Dr. Cole got the microphone. He said, don't come run down here. And men from all over that auditorium ran down and filled that altar. Just let the river flow. He looked at me and he said, why did you preach that text? I said, it's what the Holy Spirit gave me. He wanted me to move them into the Holy Ghost. We started ministering deliverance and breaking alcoholism off of people's life, breaking depression off of this one's life. We sang a song, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. And we start seeing chains fall off of men's life. And we went back there the next year. We saw some of the men said, I was in that men's meeting. And they said, I haven't had a drink since that time. When the river flows, you don't know what God can do. A day in his presence, says the psalmist, is better than 10,000. One moment in the presence of God can break addictive behaviors that have had years of turmoil in people's lives. If they'll just come and surrender, just let the river flow. It happened in Estonia. It happened in Latvia. It happened in uh, Kiev and the Ukraine. 
And friends, it could happen here in America if we just let the river flow. There will be a harvest of fish in the middle of that page where there's a marsh or where there's a swamp, the rivers don't flow. My friend Neil Bernard lives in Laplace, Louisiana, and thank you for helping him during the time of the last storm that went there. The buildings are coming up. Uh, national news has come to his church after uh, TV4, NBC, did that special on him. And listen, he said, every person that's come in, he said, because when one news channel gets a story, everybody else wants to lean into it, you know. He said, so we had CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. He said, ABC and CBS come. He said, and everybody that came, he said, Apostle, I want you to know, I talked about Jesus during the whole interview. They said, well, why are you guys doing that? Because Jesus told us to do it. He said, well, how are you having the strength to do it? Well, Jesus is giving us the strength. He said, they got Jesus, 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 Jesus. How many of y'all think that the news media needs some Jesus right now? And Neil told me, but down in, in Louisiana, they have swamps. And I asked him, I said, tell me about swamps and marsh places. He said, down here, swamps are wet places where the water used, where fresh water used to flow. Don't become a swamp. Don't just live on memories where the water used to flow. See, wherever there's not fresh water, it produces, he said, in those swamps, he said, uh, amazing enough, are what's called swamp people. Now, I'm going to need you to help me preach here. Look at your neighbor and say, let's not become swamp people. Okay, say it with your outdoor voice. Say it with your outdoor voice. Say, let's not become swamp people, okay? Yeah, I think there was a, there was a show on called Swamp People at one time. And, and in the swamps, all kind of unclean stuff grows. Snakes and gators and all those kind of things. Well, in the swamp. And swamps, because they're cut off from the fresh water, they start smelling. Would you look at your neighbor again and say, let's not become swamp people. Yeah, you don't want to be smelly. You don't want to be growing unclean stuff. Man, listen, you and I want to keep a fresh flow of water coming inside. And he said, there are some places that have just been cut off. Sometimes places are cut off from the water because they are resistant to the fresh water. They're just afraid things just might get out of control. So let's just leave it like this. And fear can cut off the waters. There are some people that resist the fresh water. And so it does not have a chance to dilute the salt. And he says, and there are places that are called marshes in verse number 11 that are called swamps also that become, it will not become fresh, but they're left salty. They're left with swamp people because there was rejection or resistance to the flow of the Holy Spirit. But wherever the waters flow, there's going to be harvest. There's going to be fish. All kind of fish are going to come in. And listen, when all kind of fish start coming into your church, I want you to know you're going to have to be ready because God says, you know, listen, if it has scales and fins, you can eat it. That's a fish that you can take home. If it has scales but no fins, leave it out. He said, if it has fins but no scales, leave it out. He said, but when you come in, man, listen, you might have scales and fins like a perch. You might be a perch, okay? But you might have a lobster sit down next to you. And their very presence might be pinching you. And let me tell you, you and I can irritate people unintentionally. I did some work at a Penn State University right after they had the big sex scandal with one of their sports majors. It caused their coach to even get fired. 
And we were on the campus right there. And unbeknownst to me, I'm just kind of ignorant. I wore my Ohio State University shirt to Penn State University. And it had my Ohio State Buckeye logo on this. And it had Buckeyes on the back. And after wearing my Ohio State paraphernalia, it's really a windbreaker. I have one in the office today. Uh, uh, The pastor came over and he said, he said, Apostle, I really love your teaching. He said, but that jacket is tormenting me. Sometimes we can torment people unintentionally, but sometimes people can torment us unintentionally. And is your church large enough to receive all kind of fish? See, you got to catch a fish before you can clean a fish. And many times in our kingdom, we try to clean people up and then bring them to church. God didn't do that to you, did he? We sing a song just as I am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I found that the people know what's wrong with them. What they want to find out is, is there some help for what's wrong with me? So all kind of fish will come in. And Jesus, even when he told the parable in Matthew 13 about the dragnet that was let in, he said, when it came in, all kind of fish came in. And he said, and he sets down and let him do the separating. Let him do the separating. I've had people separated from our church, not because I threw them out by church discipline, but because they just didn't want to change. They just said, I'm just not ready to make this change out of man that joined our church and he wanted to join our church and they were trying to minister to baptism with the Holy Ghost and he just wasn't receiving. And so they invited me in to pray for him. And I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? He said, no, I just want to join this church. I said, well, why don't, do you want to join the church? He said, because everybody needs to have a church home. And I said, well, why don't you want the Holy Ghost? He said, because if I get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to have to stop drinking my Jack Daniels. He said, if I get the Holy Ghost, I'm living with this old lady that's living with me. That's what he called his girlfriend. He said, I'm living with my old lady. And if I get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to have to marry her. And he said, I want to keep my Jack. And he said, I want to keep my old lady. And I like things the way they are. I don't want to change. And my personal workers, they're trying to minister the Holy Ghost. I said, let him go home. And she said, what, Pastor? He ain't got the Holy Ghost. I said, he's not thirsty. It's tough to make someone who's not thirsty drink. And it's tough to make someone that's not hungry eat. I said, he's welcome to come back here. And it was one Sunday that I saw the man there and that was his week. I didn't know it, but the Holy Ghost did. This man came in there and the Holy Spirit fell. He started weeping. He started crying. We gave the altar call. He came down and he says, I don't want to go to hell. Because I was preaching that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I started preaching about eternal judgment that we're all going to be evaluated. And he came down, he said, I don't want to go to hell. And I know I need to change. I always have intended to change. He said, but now I got to change. He gave his life to the Lord. I didn't know that he'd been diagnosed with a terminal disease. So now there was a time clock on his life. He was one of those that took a long time to come, but he came when I did the funeral for that man because he did die. All of the neighbors in the neighborhood came and about 20 of them got saved at the funeral because the river flowed. And when the river flowed, there will be marshes that say, I don't want the river, 
But let the river just continue to flow. Keep offering, keep offering, because some will. And he that hungers and thirsts for righteousness sake shall be filled. I'm closing this message out because he also looked again. And not only did he notice that there was life in the river and that there were fish in the river and there were places that rejected and resisted the river. But he also noticed that there was trees popping up on the right hand on the left. Trees are symbolic of the righteous people. Uh, uh, Psalm number one, blessed man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful, but his laws in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in the season. This is that picture. The righteous begin to pop up on the right hand and on the left. I was not righteous when I first uh, received the Lord. I was just saved. I received the Lord. I had to grow in the righteousness. And when I talked about it, I, I knew I received the gift of grace and the gift of righteousness, but my actions were still not right. I had some stuff I had to work my way through. Now, I know most of y'all arrived day one, sanctified, saved, clean, and have never sinned again. Okay, thank you for some help. Okay. But that's not the testimony of most of us. Most of us had a Romans chapter 7 experience. Well, I knew I'd been baptized in water. I knew I had the Holy Ghost. But, but I had to struggle. The, the good that I would do, I didn't do because evil was present. And it's all right to be struggling because struggle means you have not submitted to that evil. I had struggles, but there was a time when I got on top of it and put my foot on that thing's neck and it's never risen again. And friends, that's the way this life is. And there comes a point in time where we say I'm on top with all things under my feet. We know that we've arrived over that thing. That thing is no more in our lives where the river flows. And then we become like a tree of righteousness. We're planted. We're not a tumbleweed anymore, but we're a tree. Two things that I get from the trees of righteousness. First of all, they bring forth fruit in their season. That's food. God gives you enough to feed you and enough to give you to feed to somebody else. And that's where I want to see the saints go. Some of you have been in faith a long time, 30 years, 40 years. And now you have enough inside of you to start your own evangelistic association. Some of you have enough books to evangelize a third world country. Some of you have enough music CDs to have your own concerts. And friends, now it's time to get some of that stuff out. Since more people are going with electronic books, I'm starting to divest myself of some of my old classics. I'm not reading more because now I have them electronically. Some things I'm keeping because I know I just can't get them anymore. But I'm starting to buy books and give them to people again because I love electronic books. But sometimes people just need to sit down and open up something and read it. And friends, I know that I'm here during this season to be food to the nation. But the leaves are also for the healing of the nation's repair. And that brings me to this place. And Pastor Ray, you can come and the team can come because some people need their life repaired. It's for renewal, for renewal. And the leaves of the tree will help us to help people repair and restore life. And friends, some people are in our kingdom, but they still need life repair. Some people, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the locust have eaten up their lives. Their lives have been torn down. And now their lives need to be restored. I was in Uppsala, Sweden years ago with a man named Alf Ekman. 
Sweden is a very strong Lutheran company, a country. A revival had broken out on a Lutheran campus. Students spontaneously were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. The rivers start flowing on that campus. Out of that, a marvelous, charismatic Pentecostal church was raised up. Most of the people were white with blonde hair in that church. When I went there, I went there to do a men's ministry. And there were many men that were there and they had a form of godliness. This was their testimony. But they hadn't heard about the power of God. We begin to preach and begin to lay hands on sick people and they begin to recover. For the first time when I was there, massive amount of people begin to fall under the power of God. I'd never seen that before with other ministers, but it began to happen to me in that particular church. The worship took a new dimension in that church when the river started flowing. Because they not only knew how to sing songs that would draw people to the Lord for salvation, but also stir the waters up in the believers that lay hands on the sick. When I was there, they told me that the men began to meet every month then after we were there at that men's meeting. And every month they said a different issue would come. So I maintained contact with a men's leader and he began to tell me, well, this is the issue this month. And you know, every time there was an issue, the Holy Spirit had a solution or a scripture. And I said, listen, this is what I'm sensing from the Spirit of God. Study this. And he would go with that, which he studied, and it would be healing for a man in his, in his dimension. I said, I'm not God. I said, but this is what I'm sensing. After a while, the email stopped. And I uh, emailed the guy back about six months later. And I said, are you all right? He said, the stuff I was calling you, the sense and the hear for me. He he said, now the Holy Ghost is telling me what to do. That's where I want to see the church go. I'm not saying that I want to see pastors unemployed. But what I do want to see is for people to have the ability that when they need to hear from God, they can go directly to him and he can tell, and he can tell them something they can sense, they can hear, and they can see. What's needed? Let the river flow. Friends, no telling what can happen in this region when not only the church, the temple corporately has water flowing in it, but also when this water flows out to your campus, to your high school, to your marketplace space, and to your public space. You say, what's the difference between public space and marketplace? Marketplace is a place of business. Public space is a place of public policy. And we need to invade those spaces in our, in our city. The mayors, the last three mayors that have served in our city have come to my office and requested one thing. They said, the previous mayor told me, you're a man of prayer. And they gave me a list of things. I want you to pray these for me. Whenever they meet our people in those public spaces, Mayor Ginther right now tell me, every time I meet somebody from Rhema, they say, my pastor calls out your name every day. Every Sunday when we're together, he's praying for you, Mayor. And friends, what would it be like if even in public space, people that may not have our same political values, but we're praying for them. Because I believe that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he said, thank you for praying for me. What will happen if the waters of God flow out of us 
over the threshold of the church into this community. Not only in this community, Rhode Island, but Connecticut, New Hampshire. I want you to know when the waters begin to flow, it does not know boundaries and barriers and it doesn't know borders. It just keeps flowing. And what would happen if a revival like in the days of Finney broke out right here? Caught the whole East Coast on fire and then begin to burn all the way across to the Midwest, to where I live in what's called the heartland. Caught it on fire and just kept on burning all the way across the United States. What would happen? I believe that there's a river that God wants to flow. And could it break out here? I believe that the water's already stirred here. Could you begin to just pray in the Holy Ghost, those who can right now? Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Stir up the waters inside of you. Some of you have not been us praying in the spirit as much as you could, but stir it up in this sanctuary right now. Right there virtually in your apartment, in your home, in your townhouse. Listen, in, in your mansion, wherever you are, if you're in your summer house or your winter house or your fall house, begin to just pray in the Holy Ghost and stir up the rivers that are there. In the name of Jesus, Somebody in this place right now has been experiencing uh, restless nights because you're having what's called night terrors. In other words, you go to sleep and then you start dreaming some things that are causing you to wake up just afraid, just afraid. And if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you and break that thing off your life because your sleep needs to be sweet. I see your hand right there, brother. Anybody else? I see this hand right here. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break this thing off their life. In the name of Jesus, I pray for peace of mind. I pray that their sleep will be sweet. I pray, Father, that the tormenting power of the enemy will be broken off their life. Will a believer just go where you see a hand up and just put your hand on that person's head in proxy for me. Just put your hand on that head, on that head right there in the name of Jesus. Somebody put your hand on that head right there. And we're just going to pray for that brother right there. Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Just begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Cause sometimes we need somebody just to pray in the name of Jesus today. Father, we speak peace of mind. We speak peace of rest in the name of Jesus to this mind. I pray that whatever has come and whatever thinks it has a right to be there, it's broken. For those that are virtual, who are having these night terrors, I break it off their life. That tormenting thing, go from their house, go from their mind, and go from their sleep. Now I prophesy, tonight your sleep will be sweet. I lay me down and I slept. I awake and the Lord sustained me. You're going to wake up refreshed. You're going to wake up fresh. And you're going to wake up in peace. In Jesus name. And I thank you for it now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord. And I release it to you now. In Jesus name. Peace of mind. Peace in your sleep. Peace in your rest. Both in person 
and personally in the name of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. We release it now. Thank you, Lord. I sense I need to pray for fertility issues, fertility issues. There are some women that are having abnormal discharges. There are some other women that are married and there have been some fertility issues right there. And that is just trouble in conceiving your marriage. You want children, but there's been a problem there. I just want to break that in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, I release the Holy Spirit. If you hovered over Elizabeth and if you hovered over Mary in the name of Jesus today, Father, I break this thing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just speak to the womb for those that are married and they want to bring forth. Bring forth in Jesus' name. I curse the hand of the enemy. That will cause barrenness to come. And I speak fertility right now in the name of Jesus. And now for these abnormal feminine problems and discharges. I cut off that fountain. I cut off that thing that is causing those abnormal discharges, uh, those abnormal cramps and pain at unusual times, not even in the menstrual cycle. I break that thing now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, move and put peace in their inner womb and in their inner man in the name of Jesus today. And I thank you for that now. And Father, I thank you that their whole reproduction system will have a refreshing and an overhaul in Jesus' name. I release that to you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. There's one in here that's uh, that's uh, had uh, 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 sharp and severe headaches. It usually comes on the right side of your forehead. If you'll place your hand right there, I'm releasing the power of God. It's kind of a migraine kind of condition that kind of hits your head. Okay. I see those hands right now on those heads in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that pressure now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I command, I command vessels to open up arteries to open up. I, I curse the law of the, of the voice that saying that you're going to have a stroke. You're going to fall out. I break that voice off your life now in Jesus' name. I command vessels, smooth flow to the entire brain in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. I see those hands. You're laying it on yourself. Just begin to massage your head a little bit and let the anointing that's flowing in the sanctuary just kind of flow into you right now. And the peace of God will keep you and grant you peace in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Final thing I'm kind of sensing is as uh, adults with, uh, with, with child disability, uh, have learning disabilities. And if you have a child that's been diagnosed with any kind of learning disability, I want to release the power of God with a spirit of wisdom and of knowledge of him. That your child can learn, and they, but they may learn differently, but they can learn. And though you're going to do the natural things that are there, that diagnosis is not their end. And if that's you, just lift up your hands, and I just want to pray for that child. In the name of Jesus, I see those hands. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I just lift up those that have that diagnosis on a child's life. And in the name of Jesus, I break that thing off that child's life. Father, I pray that even the specialists that are dealing with them will not just try to medicate them, but will find a way that they learn. We'll encourage them to learn. And now I, de 
But I, I command that their children will learn in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Father. And no matter what setting they're in, no matter what setting they're in, whether they're in Christian school, private school, parochial school, or public school, I thank you that learning will take place. And this year, this school year, in the name of Jesus, I'm sensing this, that you're going to find an acceleration. They're going to do better this year than the history of their education before. If you'll stay in agreement with that, remember that the diagnosis is not an end, but the divine word of God. Your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace thereof. In the name of Jesus, to God be the glory for great things he has done. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, would you let the river flow? Let the river flow. Let the river flow. And through the power of the spoken word, Father, I thank you that according to your word, it will be unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Could everybody just stand, Pastor John? Why don't you come and close us out? Ray, go ahead. Anointing, follow me. Anointing.